What do you despise? By this you are truly known. From the Manual of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. folks we're back we're back with another installment of i've read dune with rory voy i'm rory voy i've read dune this is i've read dune and <laughs> you will be pleased to know as always i'm joined by my story boys andy and austin hello uh, there they are uh it's you you know them you love them the same as always the the trusted regulars it's it's great to be back everybody how you doing i'm doing great uh, yeah, I'm having I'm... trouble uh, avoiding spoilers from the Dune movie. Uh, it's 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 come across my feed a few times, and I've I've had to I've had to be a really responsible young man. <laughs> oh, like you, like mean mean people from Morocco who for some reason get Dune two months earlier, just <laughs> letting you know, just yeah. rubbing your nose in it. Yeah, trying to trying to post all their hot takes on the Twitter, and and boy, I I, I just. Yeah, it's a very dangerous place for us right now. Trying to stay. trying to trying to get ocean power trending. <laughs> <laughs> Not today, sir. Hashtag ocean power. You've got to keep. You've got to keep it. If you got it, you if you got to use it, right? If you got to flaunt it. Mm-hmm. Well, this week, everybody, we're taking a look at chapters twenty-five through twenty-seven. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good week. We're we're just kicking off. The beginning of book two, basically, which we sort of hit last week, but it was, you know, it's slow. It's a slow little creep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for the dinosaurs and, and spaceships and stuff to sort of hit uh, all the, the, the stuff I'm sure is coming, you know, lightsaber duels. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you'll get there, Roy. Well, there are laser tigers, right? In mm. Children of Dune, two books away, we meet the laser tiger. <laughs> oh, in two books, we get laser tigers. So, I'm sorry, I just kind of feel like I was originally pitched a different, a different <laughs> bill of goods uh, for this podcast, and I, I would like to get off. But I'll stick around I've been for the children. Patient, I thought I'll stay for the kid. You know, yeah, Andy. Um, oh, yeah. I, I yeah, don't want to leave you. I just don't want to leave you alone out there. You know. Thanks. This would be a sadder podcast if it was just Rory telling me about the book and me going, ha ha. Mm. Yes. Nice. I guess you could say I really am the glue that holds all of this together. You're right. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just full of Dune fever. I'm ready to get going. All right. Why don't we why don't we get this why don't we get this party bus rolling? Why don't we dive right in? Mm. Okay, Rory, I need you to hit me with our chapter title. Okay, you guys, chapter twenty five is gonna be is gonna be called that scene from the trailer you liked. Mm. So, do you guys remember? Do you guys remember where we left off? It's been a little bit. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of 
there was a lot of like desert time where where Paul was like, mm, I've got some pretty big powers now, Mom. And Mom was like, ah, fuck, I'm not the main character anymore. And then and then I guess Thufir Hawat haggled over a lot of body water. He did haggle over body water. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they were in the tent for a while. And then and he after, got jumped by some boys in blue. Yeah. Right. But Hawat is in a different place. He's not. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's back he's in right. He's in a, he's evil. He's still in the desert, but he's in a different desert. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to be confusing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 25 opens uh, in a familiar, in a familiar way. There's an ornithopter closing in on Paul and Jessica, who are still just kind of out wandering the dunes, as it were. Have they sort of changed their outfits to uh, show that they've been out in the sun for a while? Like their their shirts have been torn to make headbands. <laughs> Is that a rhetorical question, or are you just stupid? Because they're wearing still suits. <laughs> they're wearing still suits. <laughs> oh, oh no, we know enough about the book that Rory's getting mad at us now. <laughs> you should know. You should know this by now. <laughs> okay, I mean, and but they haven't like. They haven't taken the top shirt of the still suit off and have it like around their waist because they're hot. Right. Okay. And uh, speaking of things you should know by now, when ornithopters <laughs> come find Paul and Jessica in the middle of nowhere, who comes out of that ornithopter? Is it Gurney? It's Duncan Idaho. Oh, it's Duncan. That's right. And it's Duncan Idaho again. He has come to find them in a helicopter once again. Uh, this time, bringing with him Dr. Kynes and a... Uh, a cadre of, Fre- of Fremen, an, un- an, un- an unannounced amount that is enough to fit into one ornithopter and not a clown car's amount. <laughs> not a clown okay. car's amount. <laughs> Just an average amount of people to fit in an ornithopter, which is completely undescribed in this book. <laughs> for, the amount of, for the amount of page time they're getting, we know nothing about ornithopters. See, that's, that's, that's honestly that's a disappointment. Yes, because you can really kind of tell... For a lot of authors or creators, how horny they are for airplanes really tells a lot about who they are. Um, I guess aircraft, you know, like if yeah. this was a Miyazaki joint, you know, we would we you would know. know very much about these these sky birds, or you know, just some sort of World War II guy, because you know they love helicopters. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, they get out of the ornithopter, and uh, luckily, I don't know. Th- this whole meeting has a little bit of. Uh, rigmarole i guess so they get out of the ornithopter and and then say hey let's all go together over this way let's walk there though and uh dr kynes knows where they're they're going to an imperial ecological testing station some some desert some desert station some gas station out in the middle of the nowhere right mm, yeah and they do they all walk there and uh it's all cool Shh, next chapter Next chapter. No, no. there's quite a lot. It just felt it just felt like pages pages were spent just kind of getting everybody to this place. Yeah, but yeah. that's neither here nor there. Paul will correctly guess that this facility is is the aforementioned Imperial Ecological Testing Center testing station, which we're just kind of I think really firmly establishing Paul's spooky you know spooky guessing ability. He it's just like fig- Paul has a copy of Dune in his pocket. Uh-huh. It's it's like he's a less cocksure Sherlock Holmes. He can figure shit out, <laughs> right? But he's like, yeah, yeah. He's always guessing rather than just telling people their business. <laughs> uh, we get a little bit of, uh, I think, what is probably establishing future plot, where a Fremen tells Doctor Kynes 
uh, that the field generator here, the field generator equipment isn't working, so they cannot be masked by proximity detectors. So I, I assume that uh, ships flying ahead can scan for life signs, Star Trek oh, style. Oh, okay. Uh, the Fremen also will call Kine, Dr. Kynes Liette, which we knew, right? You both knew that Dr. Kynes was Liette? Yes, because you told us. That. Okay, mm-hmm. fair enough. You, well, so I told you because it came up in the book. So now right. uh, Paul and Jessica know because they've heard whispers of this, of this Liette character as well. Sure. Duncan Idaho is going to inform Paul there's no possible way old daddy, old daddy Duke Leto has survived. And now he's the, you know, the head of the Atreides line. Okay, so they've got. Oh, you mean? Oh, you mean Paul? I thought Duncan was saying. Now I'm the head of now the Atreides line. <laughs> Me, Duncan Idaho. Uh, the Atreides. Idaho. You mean the Idaho line? <laughs> uh, it, this next part is kind of funny because I, I feel like I feel like what Herbert's going for is is that Paul is you know trying to take take this take this news seriously uh, and and uh, portray portray himself as as the Duke the the Duke Atreides. Right. Mm-hmm. What happens sounds like Idaho tells Paul, uh, hey, I'm sorry, your dad's dead. And Paul says, that's funny, because if because now that I'm the Duke, that's no fucking way to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Shit. <laughs> wow. You know, use a little, you know, use use some bigger words, bro. I make it sound official. And find me some bigger britches. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Paul is now going to go into what his, what his orders are as Duke. He wants to get proof that the Sardaukar helped the Harkonnens, uh, to kill his dad. Mm -hmm. He's going to threaten the emperor with this knowledge saying he will, uh, tell all of the other great houses about it. Uh, as you can imagine, using the Sardaukar against royalty is somewhat frowned upon. Yeah, okay. Right. Sure. And there was that whole thing where the Sardaukar came into the room where Leda was was gassed, was getting mm-hmm. getting gassy. And they were like, You guys, this looks really bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Now hold on. So is you said that Paul is going to do this. Does this mean they're still like tramping around the desert and he's like, well, I'm gonna do this someday? Or is he actually I don't think Paul and Jessica at this point know to know the depths of how fucked they are presently. Okay. okay. They've escaped an assassination attempt. The dad was killed. But they don't know that they're sand orphans now. Right. Uh, as they will sort of quickly find out. But uh, all of we've seen of the, uh, of the Baron's retaking of Arrakis is, is unknown to them. So Paul is thinking he's going to sort of sit on the throne reasonably soon. Right. I just got to get home. Yeah, yeah, we're get, we're gonna get home, and I'm gonna use that sweet phone that we have that calls all royalty, <laughs> the king phone. Have you heard what happened? <laughs> My ducal phone. <laughs> uh, Paul, uh, Paul's got Paul's got another, but another little twist on this plan. He's gonna offer the emperor an ultimatum to prevent chaos the the chaos that would ensue from all of the major houses figuring out that. The emperor is sort of a loose cannon, mm. uh, which is the way I like my emperors, honestly. <laughs> uh, Paul says he will be willing to marry the emperor's daughter, who has the emperor has no sons. There's only Princess Irulan, who uh, we bo- don't bo- know. Bo- 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 ding, 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 the name is the list. It's the girl. It's the girl from the beginning of the chapters. 
They said the thing. She's in the book. <laughs> so he'll he'll get married to the to the emperor's daughter, and then he won't be a shithead and narc. And what was her name again? Irulan. Cue the theme. <laughs> Paul says he needs Kynes to pull this off. Uh, I suppose that's because Kynes, as the as the imperial planetologist, has has the bat phone somewhere to call the emperor. It's a little unclear what Kynes is going to do. Besides, Kynes is generally competent and a useful ally, but why he is a linchpin of this of this uh, operation, I'm I'm not totally sure. It's because Kynes has a fully charged Motorola razor. <laughs> Well, okay, I'm not trying to derail this. We got a lot to cover, but I have yet to truly understand, nor ask, to be fair, what the fuck a planetologist is. I get judge of change, but what is he? <laughs> well, he's both, right? He's an yeah, imperial but what planetologist. What does a planetologist do? Well, he's the judge of change too, right? But that, that's, that's the other thing. No, and so you said sure. you understood that part, so. <laughs> I know. Okay, let's move on. He's a doctor, an imperial planetologist, and the judge of change. And if you have more questions, I really wish you wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> Been a lot of questions already answered by my job title. <laughs> uh, there, there are actually some inferences to be made here. Uh, it's unclear. It, but the thing is, is, as the imperial planetologist, this seems like probably not what he's supposed to be doing. So mm, yes. anyway, okay. Mm. So as we all know, what an imperial what planetologist is, is supposed to be doing, <laughs> we definitely know that. So Kynes <laughs> does have a uh, an interest in in the ecological growth of Arrakis, of making it a more habitable and sustainable planet. Uh -huh. Sure. Okay. Now, Activating if that's the Genesis device, yeah. If that's if that's planetology, I mean, use your best with you use, just sure. figure that out on your own. Maybe you that's it. planet. Uh, but those are the, that's an interest of his, right? Is making Arrakis a sweet hot home for his for his sweet for his sweet friend and friends. Uh, Paul says that uh, once he's married to the princess, he's gonna be just rich, just dick deep in riches, and can just throw money at Doctor Kynes to make this planet as green as he wants. Yeah, do it, man. Well, Kynes is sort of, so now Kynes has thrown in with the Fremen, though, right? Mm-hmm. The Fremen we know are not that do not that like keen on capitalism, so Kynes is in a weird position. I mean, he it doesn't does seem a little bit like Paul is just like, "Nah, dude, I'll gentrify the shit out of you if you like." Well, kind of, but I, I if the Fremen do control this planet and they do want grass, it sounds like. Well, okay, sure, sure. I imagine it would be nice to not have to <laughs> get your water from dead people. Right. They also <laughs> want the upscale ice cream shop. That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it, it's it's a fun little moment because Kynes, on one hand, feels that he is uh, above being bought as an imperial agent, as a Fremen who doesn't feel that that is like a respectable way to do business, but also he wants green grass on Arrakis. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, everybody's got a price. Yep. Mine's grass. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, he's going to get a red ass on it on Arrakis. <laughs> now, that's comedy. <laughs> from getting spanked <laughs> uh paul paul senses that he has uh offended kinds and apologizes uh kinds then is sort of taken aback by the first royal leader in this 
in this place to ever apologize for anything. Mm. And then they sort of uh, mint their friendship with some sort of... It's not because this would be just sacrilege on Arrakis, but it is the essentially a, you know, a spit handshake. They, they spit on it. Ah. But they don't because obviously... Water. That's like valuable water. water. Very right. valuable water. You would waste your body's water on a hand friendship? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a few of those in college, you know? <laughs> after, after these handshake friendships, uh, here's, here's where the title of the chapter comes in. Ooh. Uh, uh, we, hear, we hear clanging and shouting and uh, noise, n- uh, bad noise, spooky noise, upsetting noise. Do you remember in the trailer when uh, when Aquaman just like goes ham in a hallway against some dudes? Yeah, yeah, oh, yes. yeah. Here it is. Here's that hallway. Duncan Idaho is fighting savagely with the Sardaukar warriors. Oh. Okay, I've I've yet to dislike a fight in a hallway. It's a <laughs> They're good historically a great place to kick ass. It's I'm I'm on the exact same page. He does the thing. He, you know, refuses to let Paul join. Uh, Paul and Dr. Kynes have to close the door behind him so that they uh, they don't die. They don't, because <laughs> uh, Idaho, uh, this is sort of a, a moment where maybe Idaho can take him, right? Because we've seen him be, we've seen him be Aquaman, like, quite a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but old Dr. Kynes and little boy Paul are just no match for these guys. So if, if Duggan goes down, they're full-blown toasties. So, so they slam the door shut. Uh, and uh, just hope for the best, right? Yeah. Uh, Kynes sends Paul and Jessica. He's got a sort of escape tunnel that uh, that's good for two, I guess. He says that eh, he's got a reasonable reason to not... I, I don't know. It gets a little lost in, in uh, plot convenience. He doesn't come with them because he knows that as, as the Imperial Planetologist, he's got some sway that he can't just get iced right here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he just sends Paul and Jessica uh, away. So they're slowly losing members of this group. Well, we only had two at the start of the chapter, but we're back to two again. Okay. Yeah. Because Duncan uh, Idaho keeps showing up and leaving in helicopters. <laughs> it's very real. <laughs> or in helicopter kicks. Yeah. Oh. In his Air Jordans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that kind of kicks. Uh. Paul, Paul and Jessica at the end of this at the end of this escape route find uh, find an ornithopter. Have we seen? I, I'm trying to remember now because they did escape an ornithopter. Or the last time they were in an ornithopter, there was the 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 Harkonnen guards were flying it, right? Yes. Yeah. Use the voice finally to bring it down. Yeah. So now apparently Paul can fly ornithopters too. So good job, Paul. Everybody can fly helicopters. It's no big deal. They get in, and away we go. It really isn't a big deal. I could fly one. You could fly one. They got a stick. Uh, a giant, uh, a giant sandstorm starts up as as they're flying away, or had been going on and moves closer. It doesn't really quite matter. And uh, Paul tries to fly above it. And I, I assume he does because he's good at everything. Yeah, but I'm saying I'm saying tries because that's the end of the chapter. Oh, okay. Oh, this is the the attempt to fly above it. Yeah, drama. And then out of the out of the sandstorm, uh, the 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 face of Imhotep, right? Uh huh. Right. Yeah. And and insert mummy reference that I'm trying to do for this joke. The real judge of change is Anubis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so chapter twenty six, horny for mentats. Hmm. 
Uh, well, so we are more oh, like tit for tit for tats. Tit for tit for tat. Horny for tits in your tat. <laughs> 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 we're gonna start on Baron Harkonnen. We're we're cutting back. We're cutting back to the Baron. All right. Uh, talking with Yaka Nafud. Oh, it's been a minute since we've had one of these. I forgot about Yak and the Food. Is this a person we've met already, or did I just forget this incredible name, or is this the first appearance? You have heard this name before. He's sort of an arbitrarily named character. He was just, he was just, uh, last we met him, he was just a guy walking around, and then, uh, he was Yak and the Food in all the wrong places. <laughs> and then, uh, Leto killed all of Harkonnen's guards, and the Baron was like, who wants to be the new captain? Ah, okay. Yakin? Yakin? Anyone? Yakin? Specifically Yakin? <laughs> uh, and I'd be willing to take alternate pronunciations of this. If you guys want to give it a stab, it's I-A-K-I-N. I like Yakin. Yeah, Yakin. No, we're not doing that one. Yeah, <laughs> Yakin. And N-E-F-U-D. Yakin Nefud. I think you I think you got it in one. I, think I, like, I like Yakin Nafud. It maybe I'm maybe I'm kind of stealing the uh the cadence of of Jakin Hakar, Jakin Hakar, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. I th- I think you're ninety percent within the, the strike zone, you know? On whatever it, the I movie don't think it's Iakin Nefud. No. Yeah. I, my knees aren't hungry. I don't I don't know that his name is spoken in dialogue. I I think he will be unnamed in the movie if he shows up. Sure. Huh. We'll see. Maybe they'll figure out a way. Maybe he'll have a name tag with with uh, infinitics. <laughs> they should give a few people name tags. In the movie. <laughs> so anyway, he he has come to tell the Baron that uh, he knows for sure, for definite, for surezies, uh, Paul and Jessica are this time for are just completely iced because he caught him in a cave. They bombed the shit out of the cave, and the cave was in a storm. So good job, good job, Yakin. Yeah. Uh, then the Baron asks the very obvious question. Uh, I think both practically as well as specifically in uh, in fiction. I'm waiting on a guess here. Oh, did you see the bodies? Are there fucking bodies, you dipshit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone's got to ask. <laughs> and Yakin says, "No, I'm not going in a sandstorm. That's you know, that's below my pay grade. I'm captain now. You should have thought of that." And then <laughs> Baron the is like, "Have you seen any movie?" Yakin, <laughs> you dipshit. <laughs> As a way to kind of curry a little favor and not get his head chopped off, Nefoot does say that he managed to capture Dr. Kynes. Oh, and he did, actually. Yeah, and this is, uh, this I guess, maybe a little alarming, right? Because yeah. if, Duncan's, if Duncan's alive, how did they get to Kynes? I don't Good know. Good question. Good question. I mean, it did seem like Kynes was going to just sort of walk out, hold his hands up and go, I'm the planetologist, I'm immune. All the oxygen I mean, free. Diplomatic sure immunity. I'm sure that's what he did. The question is, you know, who yeah, survived, hit him with the butt of a who survived getting to him? Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, since Kynes is the Emperor's planetologist, uh, the Baron says mm-hmm, that we mm-hmm, should mm-hmm. make his murder look like an accident. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. I thought you were about to say we shouldn't kill him. Dude, don't do this. Dr. Kynes is, is dope. Dr. Kynes is a fun guy. But uh, so far, the Baron feels that he would be more appropriate as a carpet. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of carpets does that pervert have? <laughs> D- D- more like Dr. Kine's carpetologist. 
Now, uh, Nefud also tells the Baron that they've captured Thufir Hawat. Oh. So I guess those are the boys in blue. I bet Hawat is just hating that. Well, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he is just loathe to be tortured. But uh, <laughs> there, there's potentially a more horny character in this scene than Thufir Hawat. Oh. Really? And that's the Baron at at a, at the at the at the possibility of having a new mentat after after poor Piter uh, oh. drank oh. drank all that drank all that tooth gas. Oh, he's gonna be he's <laughs> gonna. <laughs> He's going to be disappointed in Thufir Awad, I think. He's going to oh, be like, oh, sick, a new Menta. Oh, this one's old and horny. <laughs> well, <laughs> the, oh, the, the, the Baron is adamant that Thufir Awad is one of the greatest Mentats in all recorded Imperial history. Was. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> he's, he's about as old as all recorded history, too. <laughs> he doesn't even get it because he's, he's, he's. Also horny at the trick he pulled on the Mentat that's supposed to be this monstrously powerful Mentat, right? Mm-hmm. He's so pleased that Howat <laughs> thinks that Je- Lady Jessica was the traitor. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I th- those two things seem unmarriable to me. He's like, I've just got one of the most powerful Mentats who fell for my really obvious trick. <laughs> yeah. He sounds this like he's gonna... ready to have a master. Well, well, that I think I, I, I don't I don't know. I actually really like that because it seems to speak to uh, a, a cartoonish arrogance in uh, yeah, in t- Baron that's Harkonnen. Fair. Totally, right? that's totally he fair. Th- yeah. He fully believes himself smart enough to trick a Mentat, but is still excited to have a Mentat again. Yeah, I think that's a really great reading of it. A plus for Andy. And he gets one gold star. <laughs> Fuck yes. Put it on my Lisa Frank folder. Uh, so the Baron's got, and speaking of uh, his cartoon villain plans, Andy. Yeah. Uh, uh, the Baron, the Baron has figured out just the most easy way, just the best way to get Howat to talk. He's mm-hmm. going to feed Howat a bunch of poison and a bunch of antidote all the time. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> what and one after the other, or just equal doses of both for fun? Mostly for fun, mostly like to so that he's just so full of poison and antidote that the second he stops getting antidote, he's gonna, I don't know, turn into a snake. Whatever happens when you're too poison, when you're so full of poison, <laughs> I don't think he turned into a snake. Well, how do we get snakes? <laughs> how do we get snakes? Good question, Rory. <laughs> but this is his, this is his fun plan. Is this weird poison antidote slurry? <laughs> uh, then he is going to just keep stoking the flames of Lady Jessica's betrayal to Hawat. So he's going to fill him with poison and antidote, and make him a jealous bitch about <laughs> just about the about Lady Jessica, and to, until he turns on her, until he starts helping oh, the heart man the Baron, who who thinks that she's dead. Mm-hmm. But whatever. Sure. Well, I don't know that. He's he's peeved. Doesn't have a body. He's I don't think he's a hundred percent sold. But he he's not he's not like these. Lady Jessica's definitely alive. Get back out there. He's right? got to seal the deal, you know. Yeah, this uh, this having of a mentat and taking retaking of Arrakis uh, has the Baron. His hoardiness for having Hawat is that he thinks he'll be able to get a Harkonnen to marry 
Princess Irulan. Oh, sure. And that'll seal his deal. That'll seal his deal. Here's a fun thing. What's also Paul? A Harkonnen. Harkonnen. Uh Oh, fun. Literary. How literary. But the Baron (laughs) doesn't know that or does? Remind doesn't. The Baron the Baron does not know that Lady Jessica is the daughter of a of a of a bar wench he met one time when he was like hot and young. Maybe fat still, I don't know. Right. I like the idea that he was hot and young. I do too. <laughs> let's pretend he was let's pretend he was cut. Yeah, yeah, the, the suspenders used to be to hold up his muscles. <laughs> oh, that's not what I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> Need gravity suspenders to slag this duck. <laughs> uh, I had an alternate title for this one, but I wanted to mention it. I wanted to mention it now. Okay. The Baron is going to summon his other nephew, Raban, who we have not met. Correct? You, correct. We, you know, I don't think so. Yes. This is brother, or at least relatively related to uh, to fade. They're to fade. They're both nephews of. Uh, the Baron, I, I don't think we know their relation to one another. Sure. Uh, who the Baron refers to as a muscle-minded tank brain. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's a fucking sick burn of the week. Yes, it is. <laughs> now, this fucking lughead is who, who the Baron is going to send down to, to be in charge of Arrakis and just be really shitty at it. He's... <laughs> okay. uh, He's just sending down a dunce to to fuck this place up because he believes basically that he needs Arrakis even more frothing for revolution than it already is, so that when he installs Fade later, Fade Ratha, mm-hmm. it will it will be seen as a a welcome change of pace. So so Saban is like sorry, Raban. Saban Raban. is the Power Rangers guy. Um, <laughs> Raban is like a walking, talking anthropomorphic steam engine. Yes. <laughs> well, also Austin, for your uh, for your reference, in the movie it's Dave Bautista. Oh, that's Bautista. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. He's got the meat. He's he's got the meats <laughs> like Arby. He's got the meats. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so here again, uh, Andy's Andy's observation becomes pertinent to 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 the. <laughs> To the Baron's arrogance. Uh, barrogance, actually. His barrogance, that's right, Aunt Austin. Uh, so, and he's going to send Raban. Do I get a star for that? Uh, one? N- absolutely not, no. Okay. <laughs> you, know where I, you know where I stand on, on these kind of crimes. Name comedy. Uh, so, the Baron is going to send Raban down there. Uh, he is going to just get every, every shekel he can from these five million people down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, remember, this is the person that re- that was just described as a muscle-minded tank brain. Raban says, uh, five million people is definitely not how many people are there. You're not counting all of the Fremen." And the Baron says, "I don't count Fremen. They're sand monsters. We don't we don't deal with them. We don't talk about them. We don't uh, we don't count them. Dumb. We don't look at them. Racist." <laughs> Yeah, but it's an interesting moment, right? Where this this guy who is apparently stupid immediately has an insightful observation, and the, and the Baron yeah. ignores it. Sure, yeah. sure, totally. Yeah, yeah. Who's uh, cackling with glee about how <laughs> how smart he is, and he's just like, no, I don't. You mean that that wholly capable like governing fighting force that exists all over this planet? No, they're not there. I don't see them. 
the the Baron instructs Raban, his first order is to take a hostage from every single royal family anywhere near Erekine. Who they are, where they are, of what consequence they are is unknown. But basically, the Baron's plan is that anybody who has the money to make a space call to the Emperor now has a strong incentive not to do so. I see. Sorry, run that by me again. Why Why do they have... Because he's going to take a hostage that? from all of them. Oh, got it. Okay. And that's it, basically. Uh, Raban has to go down there and just take money, be merciless, be just be a shithead. Everyone's favorite. They have, you know, waiting, waiting to hear those words. Go be a <laughs> shithead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. I've been waiting for someone to ask. Uh, the muscle-minded tank brain once again asks an interesting question. Uh, what about Dr. Kynes? We, we can't kill him. We can't let him go. Uh, even though the Baron did order him murdered, uh, the Baron has, uh, I guess, a contingency in place that Kynes is far too addicted to spice to ever leave Arrakis. Oh, I didn't know they had a spice prob. I don't know if it has come up in the book yet, and I don't know if I'm talking out of school. Um, for anybody who lives in the desert, it's in the air. Oh. Uh, and it's not its not like using it like the way that the guild does or the spice beer, mm-hmm. but it, your body just gets acclimated to like it. Like secondhand smoke. You're already yeah, addicted. Like, you're already addicted. Interesting. Also, you've seen the Chris knife, so. <laughs> <laughs> you're not well, it makes, me, it makes me wonder like, what, didn't you say Paul had like a, a, a vision or something that he, like him and Jessica were never going to leave Dune? Uh, Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't remember if that was, I feel like that was a thing that we talked about. And like, is that, I mean, is it just kind of a situation where if you spend too long living on Dune, you just can't leave because your body's doomed? I think that's a pretty reasonable guess. Okay. I'll take that for now. <laughs> so you guys, last chapter of the night, chapter 27 of <laughs> Dune. Uh, this is called Paul's science class. Not what oh. I was expecting. Um, is this like a flashback to when he's in school and he meets like a cute girl across the way when they're heating beakers? I thought you said you didn't read Dune. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. They heat beakers? They heat each they, other's beakers? Yeah. Real hot. They get the that's, beakers real hot. That's so fucking <laughs> that's, hot. That's how science works. <laughs> that's when the chemistry happens. You know what I'm saying? Okay. We're going to open on Paul and Jessica having now safely exited the sandstorm they've escaped it they've evaded it so he did uh, fly over it because he's good at everything well maybe the ornithopter is all fucked up they oh. is they sort of land captain jack sparrow style mm. oh i like that visual mm-hmm. <laughs> another just, happy just landing <laughs> pieces of ornithopter just flying and then they just sort of and we're walking and uh this is a safe landing only in its you know, it, it doesn't injure them. Uh, right. It is a rocky landing. It attracts a worm. Ooh. So there is some chemistry happening here. Th- this sounds like this chapter is about to attract my worm. <laughs> this is going to be... Now, Now we talked before, like, you know, these sandworms are obviously massive. We have not had a reasonable size comparison yet, right? And that had been asked. Yeah. Uh, does anybody have a, have a guess uh, using your own kind of approximations? What, um, what like, side, what, or, or what you, th- what you're picturing? If not a, not, not an educated guess. I'm picturing three Goodyear blimps in like a human centipede train. 
Okay, that's a good size. That's a good size worm. I'm sorry. The best that I got for you right now is a SpongeBob reference with the Alaskan bullworm, but that was like as tall as a building. Is a is as tall as like a a skyscraper? Like completely ridiculous? Is that too big? You're both wrong because it is the size of a guild spaceship. The spaceships. Uh, that's yeah. Is. In- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I learned about that in planetology class. <laughs> we yes, we we also don't have a solid size of a guild spaceship. Well, and these spaceships have gills for underwater travel, I assume. They're a guild spaceship, Austin. You need to stop. You can't be this person all the time. He's Come back just, to us. He's just slowly dying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we do remember from when uh, when the Atreidae boys showed up to Arrakis. I mean, a guild spaceship is is no is no small craft. Yeah, uh, I think I think one could reasonably compare it to one of the more famous Star Wars uh, ships, since that is definitely where they got the concept art from. Oh, from, you mean like a star destroyer? If not a star destroyer, at the very least, a rebel transport. Oh, oh sure. man, that's a big fucking worm. That's a big fucking worm. I mean, you sure it wouldn't be like three Goodyear blimps in a in a human centipede? <laughs> it, might be, it might be three Goodyear blimps eating each we, other's assholes. <laughs> <laughs> we we have to pause for a second and recognize the fact that Rory, when we we're like, is it the size of a building? Is it the size of Goodyear blimps? And Rory's like, no, no, no. Let me give you something more solid to figure this out. It's the size of a rebel transport. And Austin and I both went. Oh, okay. Like, that's a real fucking thing for us to understand the size of? I do understand are, the scale of a of a Corvette, of a Corellian Corvette. We, why are we these people? Uh, have I have I gotten in specifically? I mean, I think a, a lot of Dune readers will know this. I don't know how many non-Dune readers are. And I've mentioned the parallels, the, the many parallels between Star Wars and Dune. Have I mentioned the specificity on why that is? I don't know. I think you're going to tell us. I, I am, but I didn't want to repeat myself if it had come up. Um, an artist by the name of Alejandro Jodorowsky, uh, a Chilean-French filmmaker and artist, uh, was working on a on a Dune on a uh, on a Dune film that I think right. would have right. predate that I think from the 70s. It must have been because because Star Wars is before mm-hmm. is before uh, Div, uh, before Lynch's. Uh-huh. Dune. Yeah, yeah. So Jodorowsky's Dune is a sort of infamous project that never got made, uh, but Lucas got his grubby little hands on a shit ton of uh, concept art. Interesting. Okay, see, I I actually know very little of this history. I've heard that name. Yeah, I know and... there's a documentary that I haven't seen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, okay, okay, so he got, so he like literally cribbed someone's notes. Oh, yeah, I mean, Tatooine is Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, as I mentioned, some of it is a little bit, some of it is uh, less, it's only annoying because to take all this concept out of concept and make a totally new project is kind of dope. To then have the Jedi be Benny Gesserit is, you know, like all the other parallels start to feel a little more stolen. And, and, and Luke's, all family, Luke's family are moisture farmers uh-huh. on the desert planet. And yeah, mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's that in in a, in a little nutshell is Star Wars' relationship to Dune, and so that would be why I'm comparing a guild spaceship to a Star Wars ship. 
So I go to the ones that were in the opening of the very first film, Star Wars. And I think the only real spaceships we saw that weren't like little TIE fighters, right? Yeah. Was the Rebel Transport and, and the Imperial Destroyer. So one of those two. Now, the transport was significantly smaller, though, right? Like yeah. Like, it's a little baby thing. But it's still big. It's, it's still, still very big. So that's the smallest a sandworm is. <laughs> but, like, an average size would probably be, like, three Goodyear blimps. In like <laughs> 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 Just digging for candy in each other. <laughs> Just chomping ass. <laughs> it's a good year. <laughs> Paul remembers his dream of wandering the desert. Uh, in his dream, Idaho was there. I think you could read that a couple different ways. Either, uh, either. So we know Paul's dreams are not in, in, are not perfect. So his future mm-hmm. dreams are, are still capable of not coming true. Um, maybe Idaho is with them in spirit. Maybe it means Idaho is alive. Uh, I don't know that there is a solid literary interpretation of of, uh, of this moment. Uh, they walk, they make sure to walk in a disjointed rhythm, right? Um, right. To not attract the worms, right? To not attract the worms, you have to, you have to, uh, yeah, not walk rhythmically. And they walk single file to hide their tracks, hide their numbers. They do, but that's not for worms. (sighs) Okay. No, that's true. That's from this book, Andy. He's being a (laughs) shithead, but they took that from this book. The Fremen do walk single file to hide their numbers. (laughs) So despite his best efforts to be disruptive, <laughs> he's he's been insightful yet again. <laughs> uh, Paul and Jessica stopped to eat a, eat some snacks. They've got uh, some sort of survival bag from the, uh, the ornithopter. I guess it just I guess that's reasonable. If you're on a desert planet, put some emergency now, rations in there. Now, does Frank Herbert is he like a George R. R. Martin and spends a page describing the snacks, the delicious, luscious snacks that they eat? No, they are two energy capsules, oh, and they and they on. drink yeah. their water. Binging with Babbage can't make that. <laughs> <laughs> if these are if these are emergency ornithopter food, I'm assuming MREs. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. Uh, since the sun's about to come up, Paul and Jessica figure out they they start planning how they're gonna survive this desert because they're just in straight open sand. Paul says that his plan is that they will. Uh, Rest in the shadows of the dunes during the day and, uh, you know, trek at night. I think Seems they've done that before, I right? I think that's sort of a common a common mm-hmm. strategy. Here's where it's maybe not so common. I, I don't know that we have a, similar to the size uh, of a sandworm, we have not really been fully introduced to the size of a dune. What is a dune? But what is a dune? <laughs> Uh, and here's the real here's where the the moral of the book is going to come in right this is where like the real sort of core thesis is going to happen uh so getting getting down to the bottom of the dune is actually no small feat it's like you know it's a significant ways down and it's it's steep and it's sandy right it's it's uh it's a problem so they they get on it it's like a big hot pyramid (laughs) it's like a big hot pyramid Paul, of course, snowboards down effortlessly, just uh, just glides on down to the bottom. Now, would you say similar to somebody in like a game like SSX Tricky? I would compare this to uh, to a game like SSX Tricky. Now you're just trying to make me mad. Uh, no, or maybe he's just trying to please me because this is exactly because Mac from SSX Tricky. I don't know if I told you this, but Jodorowsky's <laughs> Dune is actually a significant influence on the SSX series. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it is reasonable to say that that Mac from SSX Dune is heavily SSX based on Paul Atreides. <laughs> I fucking hate you guys. This episode is such a mess. I hate you so much. But does Paul? What does? How does Paul actually snowboard though? Uh, it's uh, it's. Does unclear. he ride he Goofy? Just gets, he he just. Oh, he definitely rides Goofy. <laughs> okay, but but in terms of what's on the page. Uh, he just gets down. He just gets down dope style. Okay. I'm not familiar with that one. Is that from one of the newer games? <laughs> dope style? Yeah. <laughs> SSX dope style. Uh, I'm just going to so, sit here and eat Nutter Butters until you guys stop talking about snowboarding. <laughs> eat your energy capsules. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Paul, after like just reveling in how dope, it, how dope his moves are, uh, does seem to notice uh, his mom is, is nowhere to be found. Uh-oh. Retro indeed. Uh, so he's going to start using some some of his Mentat slash Benny Jesuit powers because he's got both. Hell yeah! Uh, and uh, start figuring out what the fuck happened. He he's scanning the dunes. He's looking for any signs of where his mother might have gone. Uh, and he notices a spot where she must have clearly sank to the bottom, or not to the bottom, but like sank below the surface of the of the. Oh, she triggered some sort of sand slide. So uh, so Paul climbs back up. Uh, goes to the spot where his mom, his mom ha- is buried. So Paul is gonna find his mom. Uh, she can do this kind of super meditation, where uh, time slows down and she requires, you know, one breath every ten. They, they, at this point, is undescribed. She can, she can slow everything about her body down and just sit and think and not breathe and not like, not do nothing. Cool. Sort of semi die. I'm into it. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So he uh, he finds her having gone into this near death state, uh, basically just waiting to be saved. But uh, he wakes her up. No, no harm, no foul. They start digging. They get her out, only to discover, oh no, she's dropped their bag of their bag of energy capsules. Ah, fuck. Paul laments that all he's got is a compass, a, a knife, and some binoculars. I don't know why he had those three things. He had them. Paul is is furious that this bag is gone. He's whining about it. Jessica will will scold him. He was not raised to be such a whiny little mopester. <laughs> and then Paul does uh, does good Sherlock Holmesing, and uh, remembers that spice is highly alkaline, while the Paracompass Power Pack is acid based. Duh. <sighs> Uh huh. So mm-hmm. if you mix spice with compass, with compass, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know where this is. This is a King's Quest is. game. Or? This is a King's <laughs> Quest game now. So Paul then mixes some spice, uh, which I guess is just on the ground. I guess is the sand. Uh, it's not the sand. We know that for sure. But uh, the spice Paul had is from an unknown origin. But he's got it. Maybe it's he's in holding. the sand. Maybe he's got. Maybe there's some. Is enough spice in the sand? Hawat gave him some on the sly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here you mm-hmm. go. Have fun, baby boy. Uh, and when you when you put it when you put the spice inside the power pack, it starts to just make this like weird, weird sand resistant foam. So now when he puts the sand the now he puts the power pack inside the hole that he dug his mom out of, and the foam keeps the sand from filling in. But I guess they can still somehow get around it. Are- they get the they get the bo- they get the bag of food out. Are you telling me that he gets he saves their food by making a baking soda and vinegar volcano? <laughs> I think that's pretty close to what to what has happened. <laughs> Which is why you've titled this 
Paul's science class. Paul's science class, that's correct. Jesus Christ. In, in the fury of the foam party, we've all been there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the foam, as it starts to lose its, uh, lose its cushiness, it buries Jessica again. It oh, just comes right back down. Come Jeez. on. But this, but this time, this time it's only down to her waist, so they can just like dig her out, and it's fine. Oh, okay. Wow, I love this drama. This, this <laughs> first time, where's my mom? She's buried. Oh, she's just sleeping. Where's my mom? Oh, it's just, it's just waist high foam. It's, it, <laughs> she's not food. It's, it's very stakesless. It almost like it's almost like Herbert has realized that Paul's a little too perfect and just had to make this one thing fuck up a little oh, bit. No, I gotta nerf Paul. <laughs> he's really good. He can see the future. He's hot. He's great. He's gonna be a fucking duke. Ah, but he sucks at baking soda volcanoes. <laughs> mm, character depth. <laughs> so at this point, they are they're pooped. They're at the bottom of the dune. Uh, sun. The sun is now for real rising. So they're 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 getting ready to make camp. And uh, in the morning dew, in the morning sun, in the in the light of the sunrise. A beautiful, a beautiful sandworm just sort of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> leaps like free willy for them to, for them to observe and, and be in awe. Like the river Jordan. <laughs> That's great. I love that. And that would be the end of chapter 27. That's a nice end to a chapter. Yeah. Yeah. The, le- the leaping, the leaping orca at the... Being woken up by the crow of a dune. <laughs> <laughs> the crow of a of a worm, I should have said. I don't know. Should have the crow of a worm. I should have said crow of a worm. Look, we've we've proven how long our episodes should go, I think. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think we've all proven why why we maybe have are going a little long. So, you know, but this is good. This is important. We got to get it all out there, you know? Well, and it's also, it's also like, this is sort of like a, a, not like nothing's happening, but like, it's, it's a little slower right now as we sort of trudge through the, the desert and the, and the villains kind of scheme. And, you know, it's been like 40 pages of kind of hanging out. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I assume we're like creeping up on the halfway point of the book. We got to be. But I, I mean, I would assume the movie, if the movie had to end anywhere, it's going to be with Paul making a baking soda and vinegar volcano to get his, <laughs> to get his bag out of a hole. And then Lady Jessica, Jessica gets that way. Lady Jessica. <laughs> it did occur to me because we've been talking about it, about how things we've seen in the trailer don't line up totally with what we've read so far in the book. So we, we have mentioned that Paul has seen a Fremen girl in his in his uh in his future dreams sure yeah so there is a way that we could go all the way through the movie and not properly meet in in diegesis zendaya it's also possible that they introduce her early that they change things and they have her accompany them this whole part that they're trekking could like, be or, or or she could be with stilgar the couple times we've met him uh-huh yeah it's interesting so i I, I put this in our in our Discord a little bit. Was someone was asking about our timeline for for this podcast, and I did do a teeny bit of sleuthing, and I I found without getting spoiled, I found a thread where people were asking about like how far does the movie cover for people who'd seen it in Europe or whatever, and it looks like at our current pace, the episode that comes out November tenth should get us to the end of the plot beats that are covered by the Dune movie, but who knows how much they rearrange 
the stuff sure. inside. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like book two and book three have significantly more uh, action scenes. Uh, they're they're not enormous on the page, but those are places to really, you know, milk you know milk time on a, in a movie. Totally. So who knows? Uh, but what I do know is that we are one step closer to having Red Dune. Yeah, baby. Now kiss your dunes. Good night. Now kiss your dune. Kiss your dune. <laughs> <Now> kiss <laughs> the dune. You may now kiss the dune. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you want to hear more shows from us, we have two more for you. The Infinite Backlog is our extremely exciting Marvel podcast where we started at 1961 and we move forward with way too much reading. Wham, bam, pow. (laughs) And you get to hear almost every week Rory and Shane complain about how much reading it is. There's so much reading. It's always Warlock. (laughs) <laughs> it comes out most Saturdays. Saturday morning, Tuesdays, you guys. It's the show that started it all. Uh, you can hear me, Rory, and Andy. And we are on this journey most Tuesdays where we are looking through the weirdest and wildest, coolest and droolest uh, <laughs> cartoons, children's cartoons, adult cartoons from all across the spectrum of time. We're going to cover your favorite show, maybe. We're going to talk about the ones you hate. Probably. <laughs> and it's a great, wonderful time. So be sure to catch that. And of course, if you enjoyed this show or any of our shows, really, and you want to support us, we do have a Patreon chock full of bonus content. Everything from videos to sound clips to even some fun art that I get to make for you once a month. Um, and, you know, even if you can't support us monetarily, if you don't have anything to give, we would just love it if you joined our Discord and send us memes. Um, send memes to us all day long. Keep us awake all night long with your memes. We love memes. We consume them. Just ruin us with your memes. <laughs> Please ruin us with your memes. As always, our links are in the episode description. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Laters. Laters.